things are really important. And it does tie into other things that we've been talking about because we've been trying to think about ethical buying and you know where is our money going and where does it end up and in whose pocket. So in some ways this kind of rounds off um, the topic really nicely for us. Um, so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to introduce us to our guest speaker for tonight um, and you'll have some chance for interaction a little bit later. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, we want to thank you that you are the creator of all things and the giver of all good things. The, the earth is yours and everything in it. And we thank you um, for our physical blessings and for the spiritual blessings as well. But tonight, as we think about ourselves, not only as caretakers of this world, but um, people to whom you have entrusted resources, we pray that we will develop um, a godly view of the material things that you have given to us and uh, that we will grow in wisdom and understanding of how to use these things. We thank you for David tonight and his willingness to come and speak to us, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. David, come on up. So let's just begin by welcoming David, everyone. <laughs> thank you. So to begin with, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, maybe we can start with your credentials. You know, why, why of all people we've asked you to come and speak to us, Money? So tell us a bit about yourself occupationally. Uh, occupationally, my background has been in banking and finance. So I worked in that sphere for probably 30 years. Um, the final role uh, before I became a non-executive director was as the head of portfolio management for the Commonwealth Bank in Treasury. So uh, that was running the team that ran all of the Commonwealth Bank's risk, if you like. So um, term deposits come in, home loans go out, all of the interest rate risk, currency risk, things like that. So um, we had a budget of $450 million a year to make and we did that. So. Um, Okay, well, that's yeah. great. And then these days you're serving on a whole number of uh, boards in a pretty helpful capacity. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, so I'm the chair of Arden Anglican Schools Board. I've been on that for 13 years. Uh, I'm also on the Glebe Administration Board, which is the Anglican Church's endowment fund. They've got a group of, uh, a fund of money that's been donated over the years, uh, and that helps pay for all the centre functions. Uh, and I'm also on, so they're two not-for-profit uh, ones, and then I'm also on the Tasmanian Finance Corporation Board, so each state borrows money on behalf of uh, the... Um, members or the people in that live in the state and so we manage six billion dollars of borrowings there so wow that's even more money than i have to manage <laughs> that's great um <laughs> and tell us um just about your family life and and what you do for fun yeah okay uh i am married to buff elizabeth shortened to buff uh, i've got three children but kind of adults 24 21 and 17 uh, for fun, I am a computer gamer, mm -hmm. uh, 1980s style computer gamer. So I have uh, an Adams Family pinball in my office and I have nice. an arcade game that, you know, Space Invaders Galaga and but I am a Star Wars fanatic. So yeah, so nerd, I don't know what you'll what be in, you'll, you're going to be in good company here. This is good. <laughs> 
Well, thank you um, so much for um, coming along to speak to us. I'm going to hand it over to you now. Um, David will speak to us roughly 30 minutes. We will have, a, a, like we normally do, a, a working supper where you'll have a chance to go and get some food, but return to your tables and, and ask some questions, and uh, we'll have some more interaction. So let me just hand it, I'm going to get your other microphone on, and we'll hand it over to you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, I believe one or two came to the two-hour version of this at SMBC, so you guys are getting the concise version. Um, the first thing I do want to start with is just defining a couple of things, because often when you talk about Bible and society, money, mammon, you know, different things like that um, change in people's minds. Um, very simply, money, it can be any one of those. Does someone want to guess for me which one of those is the most valuable? Bitcoin, you know, some old ones. There's a Zimbabwean $100 trillion note, in case any of you are interested. Um, a hand, a, a guess of which is the most valuable there? The $1 note, why? Rare. Rare. Very close. I like your thinking. It's the $5 note because it's rare. It's for sale for $25,000. I'm not sure anyone's going to buy it. But it's because of the serial number. It's got a very unusual serial number. The point of that exercise is just currency or money is just a way of valuing things. And people will pay more for something, um, you know, or less for something. The card is actually worthless. That's an expired gold class card. So um, <laughs> don't fall for the hundred. Don't fall for the hundred dollars there. So... Um, when we talk about the Bible and money, a lot of references in the Bible refer to currency or money, but many of them are actually about mammon. And the definition, I'm just going to use a few um, kind of textbook definitions, if you like, about it, because as we look at the Bible, we, might, we, we want to start thinking this way about what it's talking about. So it's wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. Um, the... Another definition, you can use mammon to refer to money as a business activity if you want to show your disapproval of people that think that becoming rich is the most important thing in life. Uh, and a third example, the personification of riches and greed in the form of a false god. So if we can just, when we talk about currency and money, that, that side of things, but also keep that concept of the love of money or, or that, that type of... Um, imagery in your minds when we talk about um, a biblical perspective of it. So another thing I want to just get straight in our minds when I talk about stewardship, we're just going to do a little exercise. So that if you've got a mobile phone, um, get it out, please. I'm not going to ask you to turn it to silent or anything like that. I don't really mind if it goes off. I'm just going to keep talking. Okay, now, this is going to be the hard part for most of you. Hand it to somebody else. Okay, it's nervous. I'm not going to ask you to unlock it so they can see your social media and everything like that. Um, stewardship for me is understanding that what you're holding, if you did this, is not yours. Okay? But you are looking after it, but it's not yours. You are responsible for what you do with it right now because you're holding it and someone's going to get very angry if you break it or hack their social media or something like that, but it's not yours. So when I talk about stewardship later on, 
I just want you to suspend that. It's very hard. When we think about our resources and our money, we think about it as ours. When we get taxed, someone's taking it off us. When we talk about politics, everyone, everyone seems to think that uh, reducing a tax rate is stealing it off somebody else or not giving it to somebody else. And everyone tries to characterise it different ways. Stewardship, I just want you to understand that you're looking after something that's not yours. Um, and being content, you can hand the phones back now, get... Uh, calm everybody down so um, but for me to keep the illustration going being content is being able to put your phone that you just handed away down on the table and just walking out of here and never never looking back like okay it's just an illustration but if you can walk away from something that today is that important then you are in control of your own kind of desires, if you like, and you can, you can leave them behind. Um, I'm not suggesting you leave your phones behind, but I just want to get those um, concepts across. Which is why I want to talk about a quote from a sermon uh, that I heard earlier this year, which was, the, the goal of modern advertising is to ensure that you are never content. Um, it's to make you keep needing things or buying things. Uh, going on. So I'm going to show a video now and what I want you to focus on is how it makes you feel. Okay, so really just enjoy the video. It's, it, I think it's a very good one. Um, the concepts that are in, contained inside of it, there's, there's some really good hearted concepts in there. There's some really good human concepts in there. But just focus on how it makes you feel and then um, see how you feel right at the very end in particular. So... Let's, I'm just going to see if I just press the, yeah. สิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่
ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขเดี๋ยวจะมาถามคุณอีกนิดหนึ่งนะครับ
this is what I used to do. So this is the bond market. It's an, it's an indication of who's borrowing rot, what. And I'm just going to explain a tiny bit. Financials are banks. So this is how much banks. That's a billion, $100 billion. So the government and state governments had borrowed up to the GFC about $100 billion. Non-financials are corporations, BHP and everyone like that. Asset-backed securities is also um, mortgages and banks. Kangaroos are overseas borrowers. I don't know why we call them kangaroos. It's not kangaroos borrowing money, like, um, but they're overseas borrowers that come here. Who, after the GFC, one of those borrowing groups really went a lot higher. Does anyone want to have a guess who it is? So would, is it people, is it governments, or is it banks? Like that really went up. Banks, so people borrow through the banks, any? Well, let's have a look. So it's government. It's not what I hear on the news. What I hear on the news is people can barely survive under the debt they're swimming under. Um, this is why you hear a lot about the economy around election times, is because it's much easier for us to borrow from the future generations, which is what's happening here, um, through a government. We just vote them in and they'll give us what we want. And every three years, if they don't give us what we want, then we'll vote another group in. So that's what's happening here. Now, the, that's the bad news. The good news is about half of that's been for good stuff. Because if we build infrastructure with it, instead of just pay the daily bills, um, that's things we can sell, we get a return on, that sort of thing. So it's not all bad. But I just wanted to show you what society, the shift that happened in society post the GFC and why, generally speaking, people are feeling okay. There's generational differences, but um, we're, doing, we're borrowing it through governments and we're just saying whoever will give me, like Chad said, whoever will give me what I want in my pocket is the way I do it. Well, they're just borrowing it. Um, so all you young folk, you know, bad luck. You're going to have to pay it back, so no. Um, now, we'll start to shift to the Bible. Uh, have a look at some of these verses. Can anyone guess which book of the Bible they come from? A child learns the value of possessions from parents and friends. I should say that all of my references are the NIV reader's version. I like a simple Bible. I get like simple words. So, um, Give to the worker their due and their freedom to choose a path will be set. The pattern of their actions will be hard to break. The sweet talk of a master can sway a servant's will and the gold they bestow can change the colour of their heart. Do not worry about the things of this world, uh, where your next meal might come from, etc. And money doesn't change people, it reveals them. It's from the book of David. That's me. It's not actually a book in the Bible, so... Um, I wrote them to sound a bit like the Bible. Um, <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm using myself as an example, but a lot of people go through this pattern. So what you, your family instills in you and the people around you instill in you tends to um, echo throughout your life. You start earning your money, give the worker their due and their freedom to choose a path will be set. You start to give them options in society and those patterns will be very hard to break. Um, this is my employer. I worked for Macquarie Bank, for those who were interested in the early days. My wife called it The Firm, if you know the old movie. Like, um, that's because they, uh, yeah, they just had control of me. But the sweet talk of the master, I was, I was a master of the universe, according to them. So, uh, 
Uh, it started to change the colour of my heart. Fortunately, God's in control and he started to unwind that colour. Um, and then I heard this quote in a movie and it really mattered to me. It might not matter to you, but money doesn't change people, it reveals them. A lot of people say, oh, money changes people whether you've got a lot or not. Um, I think it reveals the underlying character in your heart. So whether you have none can reveal the underlying character or if you have a lot, it can start to reveal the underlying character in your heart. So, um, so don't quote any theology on that for me. That's just the book of David. So in the Bible, though, there are hundreds of references to this subject. It's amazing we don't preach on it that often, Chad. So, yeah, that's why you've got me up here, isn't it? So I'm just going to talk about a few things. I get to cherry pick some things that I think are important. So um, one of the, the, the basic focuses is uh, that I think forms the platform for how you should think about money in a Christian perspective is that you cannot serve two masters. Um, either you will hate one, love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I've put... This is my only reference to an older version, just to show that word mammon. So you cannot serve both God and not $50 in your wallet, but money controlling your life, money changing the way you do things and think about things and um, approach things. So this is about your attitude. Um, a passage in Timothy, and I'm just going to flick to a slide, so just to show you the focal words I want you to... Um, look at, but have a read through it, and in particular, in your mind, emphasize these words in your head. Because for me, this comes down to um, attitude. So I'm just going to start reading from verse 9. People who want to get rich are tempted, they fall into a trap, they are tripped up by wanting many foolish and harmful things. And then it goes down further. Some people want to get rich. They have wandered away from the faith. Uh, I believe that's the core message of this passage, is it's actually about what your attitude is and what you want um, there. And then if we look at James as well, um, it's a similar kind of theme, but again, that bit in red. Suppose you are concerned only about getting ahead. Then don't brag about it. And don't say no to the truth. Wisdom like this doesn't come from heaven. It belongs to the earth. It doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the devil. Are you jealous? Are you concerned about only getting ahead? Then your life will be a mess. You'll be doing all kinds of evil things. I, for me, that was just about... It's about the understanding of where that desire comes from uh, and then admitting it, basically. Um, if you look at the James passage... Your wanting more and more will eat your body like fire. Um, now, that's mostly for people who want lots of money or it's the core of their desire. Uh, what about our righteous ones amongst us? There's a warning for you as well. Don't get too upset when other people become rich. Don't be too troubled when they become more and more wealthy. They won't take anything with you when, you, when they die. Their riches don't go down to the grave with them. Most people read that passage uh, about the warning about not getting rich. I read that passage now about my envy of other people who have got rich. So when I look at it, I say, you know, this is a warning to me or a, 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 an encouragement in one sense not to worry about that because it is a futile 
envy that I have uh, of other people. Uh, in Philippians, thankfully, when it comes to contentedness, I can do all this by the power of Christ who gives me strength. Strength. I'm not saying this because I need anything. I've learned to be content no matter what has happened to me. I know what it is like to have uh, what I need. I also know what it's like to have more than I need. I have learned the secret of being content no matter what happens. I am content whether I'm well-fed or hungry. I am content whether I have more than enough or not enough. And then the important part, that this comes through the power of Christ. He's the one that gives me strength. Um, I've also found... Ecclesiastes, as I was talking with Chad earlier, I did a subject called Wisdom Literature at SMBC. Um, you get immersed in books like Ecclesiastes. Uh, and I found verse 12 and 13 quite encouraging here uh, as a reminder. Now, just to give you the background, my wife is a worker. I try desperately to just try and make money with my brain and she's just quite happy working hard and earning a honest day's um, income so the work of that worker is sweet it uh, sorry the sleep of the worker is sweet it doesn't matter whether they eat or, or a little or a lot but the wealth of rich people keeps them awake at night and then there's some areas to unpack here this is a whole sermon on its own which we're not going to go into we're just thought-provoking for Q&A time here. I've seen something very evil on the earth it is when wealth is stored up and then brings harm to its owners this is an interesting one that mo most people don't focus on. It's also when wealth is lost because of an unwise business deal. Then there won't be anything left for the owner's children. So there's passages in the Bible that teach you about stewardship and it's not all about don't get rich, don't get, you know, uh, you know avoid money in order to be right with God. Um, there's passages that are saying, you know... Uh, a business deal gone wrong is bad and not leaving something for future generations is unwise stewardship as well. So uh, I, I think it's about the attitude um, that matters. So, uh, so we're now just sort of moving across into stewardship. Think of the mobile phone example. The earth belongs to the Lord and so does everything in it. The world belongs to him and so do all those that live in it. And wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power. You can give honour and strength to everyone. So you sort of get the concept there that God owns everything, um, but we're there to look after it. So, um, And this is the stewardship concepts again. His master replied, You have done well, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of many things come and share your master's happiness and wise people store up good things store up the best food and olive oil but foolish people eat up everything they have so again there's just there's plenty of encouragement to manage your resources well to save to store up uh, so i don't want you to hear in this talk that you should just avoid any form of wealth or money it's it's about the heart and what you do with that so so that brings us more into the giving space uh, and the concepts of not giving for um, the accolade or the, the recognition of giving. So be careful not to do good deeds in front of other people. Don't do those deeds just to be seen by others. If you do, your Father in heaven will not reward you. When you give to needy people, don't announce it by having trumpets blown. Do not be like those who pretend to be holy. 
they announce what they do in synagogues and on the streets. And it, it goes on. Um, I'll just change to a further passage here. Um, because now we get into the attitude of um, people giving money. And I just want to go a little bit slower through uh, this part, particularly the red part, because uh, even though they were very poor, they gave very freely. I tell you that they gave as much as they could. In fact, they gave even more than they could, completely on their own. They begged us, not a, re- not a word you read a lot in giving money, but they begged us for the chance to share in serving the Lord's people in that way. They did more than we expected. So you make sure, going down to the bottom, that you do well in the grace of giving to others as well. Uh, and now this is... In, uh, I want to bring this to your attention because I don't think the Bible actually commands you to do anything with the money. It encourages you to do a lot of things and encourages an attitude of heart. But you know, here uh, where it says, I'm not commanding you to do it, but I want to test you. I want to find out if you really love God. I want to compare your love with that of others. Uh, and going down a little bit further, here is my opinion about what is best for you in that matter. Last year, you were the first to give. You were also the first to want to give. So finish the work. Then your desire to do it will be matched by your finishing it. Give on the basis of what you have. Do not. Uh, do you really want to give? Then the gift is measured by what someone has. It's not measured by what they don't have. So that was a really quick brush through a whole bunch of concepts. So it's attitude, contentedness, stewardship, and then giving. And these are just the high-level things that I want uh, you to sort of take away uh, from tonight and ask further questions uh, about. Because if we get to that stage, if you understand stewardship and contentedness, um, then things like this won't end up mattering. And we'll probably talk about it in a Q&A if you want to, but um, tithing is a, is a question that often gets asked. You know, uh, And I used to operate strictly uh, in, a, in a tithing concept. I don't anymore. Most of the time, well, at the moment, I'm giving a lot more than 10% because I have a very low income uh, and I support, we support a lot of different things that just require more money, so we're giving out of savings. Um, if I was strictly tithing, I think there's some things that would stop that we've been supporting for many um, years. You won't be worried about before-tax amount and after-tax amount. Um, I've had the question, is it just the amount I give to church or is it the amount I give to missionaries? All of these different things won't matter because you'll just always frame everything up in the concept of stewardship and contentedness um, with your life. These are the things that will matter. Is there a need? Like the resources that you've been given to look after, you know, is God putting it on your heart to apply them to something and you see a need um, for that? I think the Bible is clear on anonymity um, with the giving. Uh, uh, One thing that I want to qualify with that, in Australia we're very bad at um, being public with philanthropy. Uh, And in fact, I do some work with um, a group called Australian Philanthropic Services and they're really trying to encourage some wealthier Australians to be more public about what they give away because Americans are great at it. They're all, you know, rah, rah, I've given away a billion dollars. But Australians, we're not. And so I would like to qualify what I think the Bible says as 
Um, I don't think you need to hide the fact that you're supporting something or helping something or giving to something. I would just hide the amount, and that's what that's what we do. I think it's good to talk about, as Christians, what you want to support and encourage each other to support things, um, but just don't discuss the amount, uh, I think, anyway. Um, and then my favourite concept is sitting loose. Um, we, didn't, we didn't go through my full history, but I've been unemployed think five times in my life what the longest of that was a year you know we we sold our car had two young children we had our house on the market if I sold that house we would have had negative equity I would have still owed twenty thousand dollars afterwards so we've had nothing and that that I believe was a lesson in life where I learned to sit loose uh, with money because everything we had after that uh, you know and we've been very blessed um, Everything was just a concept of kind of like we're just looking after it at the moment and passing it through to something. So that's a concept I think that in layman terms um, is a biblical concept. So um, now I want to go back to that book of David that I was talking about. Um, Whatever you do, whatever steps you take, I mean you're here tonight, just um, happy to talk about it and hear about it. Whatever you do, start early because what you start at age six or 18 or 25 will give you a great pattern. And I mean giving and I mean saving and I mean being content, like all of those things add up together. So the earlier you start, uh, somebody at um, the SMBC talk said, uh, you know, what should I start with? I said, they were talking about giving, and I said $2. Like, but you'll find as soon as you start, you begin to think, uh, you know, that way about things. Um, when it comes to church, these are some of the questions I'm trying to get ahead of. When it comes to church, electronic is extremely helpful. Um, we've had this whole discussion at our church about it. But I'm a passionate believer in the plate as well. Um, I think it teaches children what goes on, you know, when you pass it around and they see something going in that. So I give electronically and then I also put something, you know, in the plate because I want them the, the model set as well. Um, And ask yourself, what are the priorities? And by this I mean, you talked earlier about building projects. Um, You know, you will never satisfy all of the needs. So I'm misquoting the Bible there. You will always have the poor, but uh, there will always be a requirement. Um, That's a kind of, oh, well, why bother kind of um, statement there. I don't don't mean that. Um, I mean, put yourself through the challenges, which is the next dot point there. If you can't or won't go, can you help? And now I always do that with um, missionaries. You know, I don't want to go overseas and um, work as a, a missionary and serve as a missionary. So I always use that to challenge myself to double or triple what I'm willing to give to a missionary to support because I think God's put it on their heart to go and he's put it on my heart to stay and I live in a first world country with incredible resources, so that often translates very strongly into other ones. So ask those types of practical questions while you're sort of reading the Bible, praying about things like that. And when it comes to buildings, because um, I know you guys are in the thick of it, um, I always say ask this question, and that is, are, is what we're doing going to enhance or inhibit ministry in five and ten years' time? And by that I mean... Are you building a palace that is going to take 30 years to pay off? Because I think that will inhibit ministry uh, as everybody just focuses on paying it off. But likewise, 
you do need physical environments to worship in, to meet in. Uh, so you do need to support these types of uh, initiatives and you need to support them generously. And usually they're generational. Usually it's done once every generation, this type of thing. So, um, but yeah, just please um, watch the legacy. So, um, and I spoke earlier about the secret um, bit. Keep the amount secret, not the fact. So um, I was asked just to, because... I lost the whole second half of my talk with um, the SMBC thing. We, we left most of the Barefoot Investor out, but I just wanted to lead into some of the Q&A bit with this. Uh, this was part of how I talked about managing, you manage your own finances. Um, so this is just a generic picture of your life uh, or everybody's life. You go through a period where the straight line that goes across is your consumption, roughly speaking. Your income curve, when you're a kid, you don't earn much. In your middle life, you usually earn the most, and then in retirement, you uh, earn less. And so the you tend to be in debt, or you've got nice parents when you're a kid, or you take out student loans, and you tend to use retirement income uh, at the end, uh, or, or saved assets. Uh, and But the point of this whole chart is actually just that consumption line. And what I mean by that is, if you can manage to do that, so if you can master that contentedness that we were talking about earlier on with society versus the Bible and you can lower your standard of living or lower I don't need the latest iPhone and I don't need the biggest house and I don't need that um, your capacity to um, just operate either in the world or biblically in the world is much greater because the bit under that curve and above that line is your savings over life unfortunately most people operate like this and they sort of spend a lot of time borrowing a lot of money, barely pay it back or don't, and then end up in the other side. So um, the practical tips, and I do recommend if you just want to look at the practical parts of life uh, and how to manage your own finances, the Barefoot Investor, I've given it a little advertisement there on the right-hand side. This is a picture from uh, that book. Uh, and it talks about dividing your money up into three buckets. The left-hand bucket is kind of the biggest one. It's your monthly must-spend money on. And they call, he calls it the money you blow. Like, I think it's money you just have. Lights on. Yep. Okay. Good. Um, and it, it, so, what what the concept that he encourages, and I think is fantastic, is this concept of sixty to eighty percent of your income is what you should be trying to live off. Uh, Ten to twenty percent is for a buffer in life. It's for losing a job. It's for crash the car, and I've got an excess to pay. Uh, you know, it's for all those unforeseen things. And then ten to twenty percent is for long term. I want to save for a house. I'm going to invest this, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. But um, often I get asked when I promote this idea, people say, oh, but what about the 10% that goes to God first? And again, I just want to put that whole idea of stewardship over the top. I don't, I don't say, I don't encourage people to go, oh, 10% first and whatever's left is yours. Because um, if you turn out to be a billionaire, uh, you know, what's that? I don't even know what 10% of a billion is anymore, but... You know, God's not getting much and your capacity to 
work in God's kingdom is unbelievable. Like, and I think the, stu- the, the resources you've been given are probably for a different um, purpose. So that's a normal person, not a billionaire that is in the, the um, photos behind there. But yeah, I just, so that's just up as a, again, a Q&A sort of um, precursor. Uh, this is something, I don't know if you want to take a photo of that, I haven't given any notes, but, um, or if you want to jot them down. On personal finances, there is no better website than moneysmart.gov.au. Um, it will give you everything. I haven't put all the slides up that I had in the other one, but, you know, pet insurance is on there and um, anything. How to, If you get a loan, it's it's in age categories for you. If you're under 25 and looking at this, if you're retired and looking at that. The first answers are there with no advertising, nobody trying to sell you anything, it's just your government trying to help. Um, the Barefoot Investor is another one. Um, there's a little bit of advertising there and you know he, he runs that as a com- uh, commercial thing. I recommend Choice, I think it's fantastic, helps you choose good products. CanStar, if you're looking at financial products, is a great place to start. Um, you know, loan, deposit, anything like that. Um, if you want to hear a sermon, uh, go to my church's website. Anthony Bramall did one earlier in the year, uh, and it's really, it's really good. I mean, I'm sure Chad's going to preach for seven weeks now on money, and, uh, you know, that, that'll be it. Um, but the other thing too, if you're in a different stage in life, um, prob- probably just beyond the student stage, also recommend having a look at this website. Uh, I have gone through almost all the material on this because I thought this might be uh, so that it's godsmoneymatters.com it's a it's a Christian in Canberra um, and he's a financial planner and he just frames everything up uh, in a in a Christian perspective and uh, you know I looked at it very skeptically I sort of thought it's going to be a catch here um, I couldn't find the catch so if you find one um, then go it I think he's just genuinely trying to help uh, Christian people steward their money in a in a positive way. So, um, so I want to stop there because I didn't keep any idea on the time, and I want to allow for um, Q and A. I've just left the the sort of main points up there that I'd like you to um, come away with. But um, is that a good place to stop? And I think we go to Q and A. That's a, that's about I don't know hours and hours worth of material there that I've brushed over. So, no, we thank you.